Hello and welcome back to another episode of A Cozy Christmas Podcast. My name is Art and we're talking about A Christmas Carol today. Specifically, we are talking about Alistair Sims' version of A Christmas Carol, one of my favorite movie adaptations of the story. And I have a special guest with me today. He's the host of the Holly Jolly Xmasu podcast. It's a podcast that explores Japanese Christmas albums, and it's a great podcast. If you haven't listened to it or heard it, I'll make sure to link it in the show notes so you can find it. I have found some great classic Christmas jazz music that is just fantastic. Before we get to that, I did want to bring in a couple of quick updates, really just one about our Christmas book club. We have just finished reading Mrs. Claus and the Santa Land Slains by Liz Ireland. It looks like everyone has had a wonderful time reading that. I will be having an episode out probably later this week. It might be in the podcast or it might be YouTube only. I'm not 100% sure yet. So make sure you uh, keep an eye out for that though. And I'll be recording our thoughts and impressions. I might have a couple of guests on to talk about it. I don't know yet. We'll see how what I'm able to put together. But also this week, I believe, if I'm on top of things, which this year has been a challenge, let me tell you, uh, the, the new voting for April and May's book will be out this week. So we can start voting on that. I do know that Skipping Christmas will be on the choice and there'll be two other books added as well to the voting. Skipping Christmas was the number two choice from last time, so that gets a chance to be reconsidered this time around. I really don't have a whole lot of other news right now, except to say that it seems like Christmas is so far away right now. And when I recorded this episode, I think it was actually back in February or or late January, I was really feeling the post-Christmas blues. And I just had this random idea to, hey, I'm going to record an episode talking about my favorite Christmas carol adaptation. And I put the word out and Scott from Holly Jolly Xmasu reached out and said he'd love to come on. We're going to talk about it. And I don't really have a lot of organized thoughts about it. It's mostly going to be just two fans talking about the the movie. I, I do have some questions we kind of go through, but you know, we all know the adaptation by now. We, we know the story. I love this conversation. It filled me with Christmas spirit. So thank you, Scott, from for coming on. One quick thing. If you are, we're expecting the next installment of The Chimes, I'm going to take just a break from that this week and pick it up again next week. I had wanted to have the story done by now, but life being what it is, things really got away from me. But I wanted to get this episode out too. So basically what I'll be doing is rearranging my complete schedule. And this week we're going to talk about The Christmas Carol. Next week we'll pick it up again with The Chimes, Chapters 3. And the following week will be Chapter 4. Hopefully, fingers crossed. And then after that, I'll, I have another author interview I'll be doing of a, of a cozy mystery series. More Christmas literature to recommend to you coming up over the next few months. So with that, I will go ahead and we will ascend to the interview loft, cup of coffee in hand. I will be talking with Scott from Holly Jolly Xmasu about A Christmas Carol starring Alistair Sims. My guest today is Scott from the Holly Jolly Xmasu podcast, which is the podcast 
That's your destination for Japanese Christmas music. Uh, so, Scott, welcome to the Cozy Christmas Podcast. Hi, Eric. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's great to finally have you on. Uh, I've been a big fan of your podcast. Uh, I really love the the Japanese jazz Christmas music. I don't know. It just all really works for me. So Yeah, it, well, and I, I've... Some of the uh, the albums I found are just they're, they're really fantastic. So mm-hmm. I, 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 yeah, I have a lot of fun sharing those and uh, doing doing the research on them and just finding out more about these musicians who you know you really don't hear about uh, over here. Well, eventually we're we're going to start talking about a Christmas Carol, uh, one of my favorite films, one of your favorite films, the 1951 version. But let's find out a little bit about you and your podcast. What was the inspiration behind it? How did you get started with it? I, I've collected Christmas music for, gosh, for several decades. And I, I really got into it um, in the early 2000s when file sharing, you know, first started being, first started to be a big thing. As I got to be a part of the uh, the Christmas sharing community, you know, meet, meeting the guys who are sharing out these albums and talking to them and mm-hmm. uh, learning more about uh, all the you know, the, a lot of the more obscure Christmas music out there. Um, somebody mentioned an album uh, that they had heard about in Japan called uh, Drum Christmas Drum by Akira Ishikawa. And he, mm-hmm. he was a, uh, a like a big jazz and funk and fusion artists uh, throughout the 70s. It, it kind of turned into like a Holy Grail album. Um, every mm-hmm. once in a while, you'd uh, find a clip of a song or an entire song would show up online but uh i never could find the full album and i spent about eight years uh trying to track it down but over the course of this i started finding all these other names that it it sounded like they had really fantastic albums but you couldn't even find clips of them online so after trying to get this thing for nearly a decade and uh realizing that there just wasn't a real viable way to do that uh, without ordering the albums from Japan. Towards the end of 2019, a few things happened. Uh, the first one was for Record Store Day that year, The uh, uh, an old compilation from K- the King Records label out of Cincinnati was re-released. It was an album that I really wanted to get. So I was like, mm-hmm. you know, we've, we, we've got this record player downstairs. We're not using it. I may as well go ahead and get this album, break out the record player, and uh, you know, get to listen to these songs. Once we had the record player out and we were playing records again, once Christmas was done, I had a little Christmas money left over. Um, so I told my wife, I was like, well, why don't I go ahead? I'll order some of these albums from Japan, these things that I've been looking for for years. Just see how that turns out. The shop that I went through, they didn't have Akira Ishikawa, but they had a few others. So I went ahead and got them and just discovered that these were just amazing albums and i convinced my wife to to let me go ahead and place another order so um i went through one of the proxy companies placed this big order got a lot of stuff via auctions and whatnot i managed to get akira Ishikawa and a bunch of others well suddenly i've got you know about a dozen or so japanese albums mm-hmm. uh, i was starting to record them and really enjoy them and that's when COVID hits hmm. so <laughs> <laughs> so so yes. I've got this this new hobby. I've got all this time in the world, and insomnia had set in again. Oh. Um, so it's just kind of a confluence of all this stuff. And I was like, well, why don't I go ahead and uh, I, I'd been listening to um, 
Christmas passed and I can't wait for for Christmas for quite a while. I was like, why not go ahead and try to do a podcast? So it just happened that, you know, it, it was a number of things fell into place and that's how it came about. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's probably about the same story as half of us on the Christmas, <laughs> Christmas podcast community right now. Mm-hmm. I'm glad to see something really positive coming out of the COVID time. So that's that's good. I love jazz music and I think Christmas jazz is some of my favorite. So I, I really enjoy your podcast. And, um, you know, if, if listeners, if you haven't listened to his yet, I recommend it. It's, it's a very relaxing experience. So uh, I'm all about that. So I'm glad you're, uh, I, I finally could get you on here and uh, we can talk about one of our favorite movies. So yeah, we're going to uh, go ahead and dive into this. And, you know, it's a, it's a film that I think we're all familiar with for the most part. I mean, it's a Christmas Carol. It doesn't really take too many diversions from the story, but where it does, I, I really like the direction they, they take it. Rather than doing kind of a a scene by scene recap of the movie, uh, I just wanted to pick out a couple of things to talk about it. But uh, I guess first of all, have have you Scott? Have you read the um, the story before? So, several times. Okay. Um, you used to be when when my girls were younger. Every year around Christmas, I would read a, a Christmas Carol to them. Um, mm-hmm. I'd, I'd start like four weeks earlier, and about once a week, we'd go through uh, one one part of it. So mm-hmm. that was a tradition we had then. Uh, we also each year would do uh, a Scroogeathon, where mm-hmm. get up early, start at like six or seven in the morning, and start watching uh, as many different versions of a Christmas Carol as we could, uh, usually in uh, chronological order. Mm-hmm. So we'd start with like silent ones and uh, finally make 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 our way through to like Scrooged and stuff like that. I, I'd make a Christmas pudding. We we had goose one year, so it, it was a lot of fun. Oh man, that sounds like fun. You know they they do uh, the twenty four hour movie athons of you know like the Christmas story or a Christmas story and films like that. I think I think this is a better idea. <laughs> Just <laughs> twenty four hours of different Christmas Carol versions. I like it. <laughs> yeah, well, because you'd get something different like the yeah. the entire day, and, right? Because uh, except for a couple of them. It, they they've all got something really good mm-hmm. uh at some point in the movie there's a couple that i won't say that about but <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> now i'm tempted to ask because this film's come up a lot what do you think about the 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 animated uh it's the one with jim carrey in it that came out a few years ago uh is, is that one I, you don't want to talk about or <laughs> I, I think i got through about 5 minutes of it uh huh <laughs> and that, that was enough for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's my, and my problem wasn't his portrayal of Scrooge. I actually kind of enjoyed it. It was more of the, I, I think they really wanted it to be 3d and it, the, the story part kind of suffered for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, I, I, I've seen it once and then I, I've heard recently a couple of people tell me they really enjoyed that version. So I'm thinking of maybe revisiting it, but, I don't know. I might just let it, let it be. <laughs> but uh, anyway, well, we're here to talk about a much better version. Uh, so this film came out in 1951. It was directed by uh, Brian Desmond Hurst. And I, I'm not really familiar with a lot of old 
filmmakers. And so uh, his name sounded familiar, but I don't know if I really have seen much that he's directed. And then the writer is Noel Langley, who has an appropriate name, I guess, to write, write in A Christmas Carol. Uh, but I, I did find out just today I was looking him up online and apparently he was one of the writers of the Wizard of Oz film that came out, you know, in the 1930s. So he's got some credentials there. <laughs> What's your history with this film? When did you first remember seeing it and when did it become a favorite? Uh, well, you, you know, growing up in the 70s and 80s, there were several films that they would play over and over again each year. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, everyone remembers It's a Wonderful Life being just played dozens if not hundreds of times between thanksgiving and christmas back then but uh there were several different versions of a christmas carol that um they would do the same mm. and this one and the 1938 one with um reginald owen the, those were the two that tended to get played the most often and the alistair sim version is the one that I remember being on the most and uh funny thing is that my mom would come through the room and she'd see it was on and she'd say, Oh, kids, you know, sit down and watch it. This is the best version of a Christmas Carol ever made. And she'd go about making cookies and whatnot. Mm. And it wasn't until a few years ago that we were talking about it. And uh, I told her, you know, we're going home to watch the Alistair Sim version. And she goes, yeah, that's okay. <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean that's okay? I, I go, you always said it was the best version. She goes, oh no, I meant, she goes, I, I always liked the original Owen ver version. Oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> so apparently when we were kids and she'd come through and see that A Christmas Carol was on and it was black and white, she just assumed it was original to Owen mm. and say that that was her favorite. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but th th this is the one that, you know, I'd catch it on the late movie around Christmas, uh, Saturday afternoons, and it, I, I just fell in love with Alistair Sims' portrayal. Uh, I think of all the actors who have played Scrooge over the years, he just he he just nails it as far as I'm concerned. Mm -hmm. The versions where Scrooge is completely evil um, at the start, they're not as believable. They're not as compelling. Mm -hmm. And Alistair Sim Scrooge seems just more of a, uh, I, I guess, like a broken character. Yeah. He's not evil. He's just misguided. And he seems to portray that better than I anyone else, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. His, his portrayal is, is just, I mean, he's kind of who I think about now when I think of Scrooge. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I've got some quotes I want to, I'll share later that kind of help explain that why, but yeah, I remember watching this at my grandma and grandpa's house. You know, we, we'd go down to St. Louis and visit them over Christmas just about every year. And this is one of my dad's favorite versions. And I can, so I remember watching this. Uh, I think my first Christmas Carol was the, uh, the Mickey's Christmas Carol. So I was kind of familiar with the story. Shortly before or after that, I, you know, I, I remember, I have this clear memory of just sitting on the couch between my, my dad and my grandpa watching this film and just being so engrossed in it and caught up in it, you know, especially the scene with him and Marley's ghost and how frightening that was. And then at the end of the film with the um, 
Ghost of Christmas Yet to Come and, you know, just how scary that one was, you know, it just frightened me. It, it, I have such a strong memory of that. Christmas at my grandparents' house was always just a special treat. Listeners of my podcast will know I talk about that off and on. I acknowledge that probably some of why I like this film might have to do with some nostalgia and all that, but, you know, that's okay. <laughs> nostalgia. Uh, we could have had Jerry on to talk about the power of nostalgia, I guess, but <laughs> but it's, uh, you know, it... it it's it, it's a film like like I was telling you uh I was watching a couple of scenes today just to get get some uh, quotes down and and man it just makes me feel like it's christmas time whenever it comes on mm-hmm. for me I think that might just make it one of the the best christmas films um uh, that I've ever seen yeah well and when we'd have our scroogeathons mm-hmm. um this was just about this was one of the few ones that we would actually watch out of order. So, mm. you know, throughout the day, we'd be watching uh, everything in the right order. But this is the one we would generally save for, you know, after dinner, everyone's winding down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and this would pr- pretty much be the uh, kind of the centerpiece of the uh, the little movie marathon. Now, did you ever get tired of watching basically the same film over and over again? or? <laughs> Not really, okay. just because th- they're all so different from one another. Um, I mean, it's the same story. You, mm-hmm. there's a lot of similarities in the portrayals, but um, you know, there's a huge difference between watching, you know, the earliest ones like the silent ones, mm-hmm. um, and then you know, there, there's the Seymour Hicks version from 1935. Well, there's also he also portrayed Scrooge back in like I think 1922. Mm-hmm. So you see differences like just just in his performances, and then you get into the other variations like uh, Mr. Magoo, uh, Scrooge, mm-hmm. um, and Mr. Mag- Mr. Magoo. That's uh, always been my second favorite. Okay, um, yeah. <laughs> but you know, you've got musical versions, so mm-hmm. um, you know, as the day went on, you're you're seeing something different every time you start one of the one of the movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. I, I I might have to try that someday. That sounds that really sounds fun. One of the uh one thing I, I I wanted to bring out about the the film is the very opening shot where you have the the shelf of all the Dickens books and you know the hand reaches up and pulls down a Christmas Carol. So I I had to pause that scene today just so I could get the list of all the books that were shown, and there were there were six books listed there. And five of them are probably my favorite of Dickens's books. So <laughs> I thought, <laughs> oh, interesting. That's that's awesome. The one that that one of them was uh, Oliver Twist, and I I don't like that one as much. Um, although that's a more popular one of his uh, books. It's a yeah. little misleading too because Christmas Carol is not that thick. You know, <laughs> you see the size of the book. But anyway, <laughs> uh, Oliver Twist. That's I have never made it through that book. Mm. I, I I love Oliver, but I cannot get through the novel. I, I've I think I've tried reading it four or five times, mm. and um, it, I get about twenty, thirty, forty pages in, and decide to move on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's got its problems, and one character especially is is just a really unfortunate Jewish stereotype, you know, and and that's that's hard to read, um, mm-hmm. to be honest. Yeah, it's not. It's not. It doesn't rank one of my favorites. But the the other ones mentioned, 
is uh, Pickwick Papers, David Copperfield, Great Expectations, and A Tale of Two Cities. And th- th- those are my favorite. Those are like my top five right there, mm-hmm. along with Christmas Carol. So, so the film's off to a good start with how it opens. But <laughs> <laughs> I, and I've always loved that way of starting a film, you know, uh, like they do that f- with fairy tales sometime where it's like they open the book and then the camera goes into the book or something, you know, and uh-huh. I don't know. As as a book lover, I kind of always liked that. Yeah, well, and you you see you you see that a lot more several decades ago. It's something, mm-hmm. it, it, and that that's one of the fun things about watching some of these older movies is seeing the uh, the the various styles and tropes and whatnot that were mm-hmm. so common back then that you know you don't see in movies anymore. Like somebody gets a letter in the mail and you get the 30 second shot of the letter as opposed to somebody reading something and then you just have to infer from uh the dialogue what mm-hmm. was in it uh, the movie itself follows pretty closely to the book uh like i like i mentioned um a couple of things that I, I guess i want to point out is first of all to uh and we've kind of talked a bit about alistair sim already in his portrayal of scrooge but i was just struck again by how i mean just how sad he looks you know like like you were saying like he's he's just a broken man mm-hmm. and he portrays that you know it's part of it's the style of the 1950s acting choices and stuff which you know to be honest i'm not a big fan of um you know it, it certainly wouldn't be out of place on like a stage performance or something and i so i try to look at it from that perspective but uh, i i caught you know several scenes where when he's weeping he doesn't just cry he like bends over and buries his face in his hands and like his shoulders shake and and things and i I just thought that was very um very moving uh for me to watch that to see that and how much of his whole body he's just putting into the performance yeah well and at the end when you know it's christmas day and the housekeeper comes in and he acts (laughs) crazy uh, Mm -hmm. at first and when he finally stops and is convincing her that he's not crazy just the, the there's just one shot of his face where the look of regret that comes through it, it's just mm-hmm. it, it's just fantastic i mean it it turns it into such a believable performance and um i mean there, there's a lot of moments that i love in the movie but that's one of them that every time i watch it it just really stands out for me yeah that that scene with him and Mrs. Dilber on the stairs where he, he's just gone from like manic, crazy happiness to something very tender, mm-hmm. you know, and he, he, he raises her salary to, to 10 shillings a week instead of two and, and all that and wishes her, a, I mean, just earnestly wishes her a Merry Christmas. Maybe I'm, a, a, I'm an old softy, but I, I like to see, I like to see men behaving in ways that are, that's gentle, you know, and and kind and i always find that very very moving and and that mm-hmm. scene really strikes me and then uh really his uh the scene with him and marley's ghost i think is is pretty classic I- iconic even i kind of like the, this movie's marley I-, I i feel like he really goes a little over the top with the whole theatrical wailing and stuff but i don't know how much of that is just the style of acting from the from the 50s uh, sometimes it, it's like, okay, tone it down a little bit, guy. <laughs> Going a little too much. <laughs> but, and if nothing else, it, it, it's it's mild compared to Alec Guinness. Um, 
in Scrooge. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that that that's a movie that had to grow on me. But even now, when I watch it, I, I have a hard time with Alec Guinness in it. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't you Obi Wan Kenobi? No. <laughs> yeah, of of all the Marleys, you know, you'd think Alec Guinness would be, you know, right up there, but he just mm. his overacting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And then, oh, interestingly, Alistair Sim played Scrooge again in a animated short uh, that came out in the seventies, I believe. Mm-hmm. And it was, uh, and it won, if I remember right, it won um, an Academy Award for Best Animated Short. Yeah, yeah. Well, and the neat thing about that one is that, at least at the time, and for quite a few years after that, it's the only one where when uh, Marley's ghost undid the bandage around his head that his jaw just completely dropped like mm-hmm. like they describe it in the book. Yeah, and there are a couple of scenes in this movie that I, I realized, I don't know if these are scenes you see as commonly in some of the modern day um, versions. I, I know sometimes they'll cut out the scene of ignorance and want, mm-hmm. which I think you you really miss the whole point of Dickens's novel when you do that. <laughs> You know, that's kind of his, his main thrust, mm-hmm. but it was that one. And then um, the the scene where Marley, you know, opens the window and, and or goes to the window and shows him all the ghosts around this poor woman who's on the out on the street and the ghosts are just surrounding her and lamenting and all that. And we don't usually see that scene either. I don't I don't think um, I can't really think of any film that had it, but I haven't I haven't seen them all yet. So on my to do list. <laughs> Off the top of my head, I can't think of another one that did that. So yeah, I, I think not only does it add to the spookiness of the story, I think it helps add to the to the message that Dickens wants to tell mm-hmm. of of helping people before it's too late. This quote, when Scrooge meets the uh, the ghost of Christmas Present, uh, I, I love he, he's a little sarcastic too in this movie, which I, I kind of like that, but. Because um, the book kind of implies that he's he's clever and and smart, you know, and and I've always kind of thought maybe he's a little sarcastic too. But you know, so the ghost of Christmas present says, "Come in and and know me better." And you've never seen the likes of me before. And Scrooge says, "And I wish the pleasure had been indefinitely postponed." <laughs> <laughs> and I love that. Uh-huh. <laughs> Not in the book, but that's an addition I like. <laughs> and so then the then he asks him. So is your heart still unmoved? And this is a quote that really just almost, sometimes it's kind of haunting, but he says, I am too old. I am beyond hope. Go and redeem some younger, more promising creature and leave me to keep Christmas in my own way. You know, it's just a powerful moment. And then the spirit kind of chides him for, you know, not, uh, you know, that we are to keep Christmas in our heart every day of the year, you know, because the child of Bethlehem, is in our hearts every day of the year. So we should celebrate it every day of the year. And I kind of like that message, but uh, you know, just the thought that he thinks he's too old. And then he'll say that again with the ghost of, I think it's the ghost of Christmas future or uh, yet to come. He tells him, he says, spirit, I must tell you, I fear you more than any other specter I've seen. But even in my fear, I must tell you, I am too old. I cannot change. It's not that I'm impenitent. Wouldn't it be better if I just went home to bed? You know, that he, he's just at the point of giving up. He thinks he's too old that he can't still make a difference. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, these are lines that aren't in the book, but I, I think they are so powerful as a part of his character. 
and going back to what you were saying that you know he he's this broken man it's not that he's mean or uh, evil it's just that he's broken he thinks it's too late even though he's being faced you know he's being faced with his his faults and it's, it's like it's too late for me go spend your time with somebody else who can make a difference i'm just going to go home and go to bed <laughs> well yeah and i and i like the way that that it helps get across the message that you know it's not too late I mean, mm -hmm. anybody can change. Anybody can make improvements. So it it, it adds to the overall uh, message that you get from the story. Mm -hmm. And then another character I really like in this film is um, Bob Cratchit and uh, uh, Mervin John or Mervin Johns plays Bob Cratchit. Um, another actor I I don't think I've ever seen him in anything um, else that he's done. But I like his portrayal of Bob Cratchit quite a bit. He he's kind. He's he's gentle. He's he's very much the opposite of Scrooge. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Scrooge is kind of loud and bombastic and and gruff, and Bob's almost his exact opposite. Yeah, well, and um, one one thing that uh, and this is something I didn't realize until the last time I watched it, um. I can't think of anything else I've watched Mervyn John's in or Mervyn John in, but um, in, in A Christmas Carol, uh, uh, Hermione uh, Badley plays his wife. And mm -hmm. then what, uh, what, 15, 18 years later, uh, she would play the uh, housekeeper in Mary Poppins to mm -hmm. Glynis Johns as the mother. And Glynis Johns was uh, Mervyn's daughter. Okay. So it's <laughs> Oh, interesting. <laughs> it's just kind of a neat neat connection there. Okay, I didn't know that. That's neat. Yeah, it took me a long time before I realized that Mrs. Cratchit and and the housekeeper were the same actress, you know. It, as a kid, you don't really pay attention to that, at least I didn't. Mm -hmm. But after, you know, a while as an adult, I'm like, "Boy, she looks so familiar. <laughs> Who is that?" And then I one day we were watching Mary Poppins and I'm like, Oh, that, okay. <laughs> Got it. Finally. <laughs> oh, it's been bugging me. Uh, you know, kids, that was back before the days of the internet where I could have just Google, Googled it and found out right away. <laughs> <laughs> do, now, do you have any, any other character or actor in this film that you, that really stick out to you? Uh, I do like, uh, young Scrooge, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, George Cole portrays him and I, I I've always liked uh, his portrayal of the young Scrooge and I didn't realize until a couple years ago we were watching another Alastair Sim movie and which one escapes me right now but George Cole was in that one also and mm -hmm. it was it was streaming on Amazon so it had, you know it had the x-ray pop-ups and mm -hmm. it turns out that um I, I guess Alistair Sim had become like a real mentor to George Cole. Uh, at one point, I, I believe he even lived with Alistair Sim because he was just looking out for him mm -hmm. and shepherding him in the earlier stages of his uh, of his uh, career. So it's kind of neat that old yeah. Scrooge and young Scrooge ended up having such a uh, a close relationship in real life. Oh, wow. Now that makes me happy. I, I, I'm glad to hear that. Because <laughs> you, you always wonder, I don't know, that who hated working with who and all that, you know, and that's neat. I like that. <laughs> um, are, are there any uh, favorite scenes that you think this, this movie does a, a really outstanding job in 
um, compared to others? Um, the, the entire end sequence, um, just mm -hmm. because of, just because of how well Alistair Sim, j just his transformation, I, I think is probably the best of all the Scrooges. He just, he, he seems to, uh, have genuine, I mean, he, he makes it appear as though he genuinely went from, you know, being this, the, this mean, uh, unsympathetic uh, unsympathetic character to at the end uh having actually redeemed himself and um i mean you watch it and you you believe that character is really going to carry on with what he's committed to um mm -hmm. yeah so I, I, I mean from the time he wakes up christmas morning to the end of the movie i just of all the different versions i think this this one does the best job with it yeah i realize like through the whole end of that that whole scene you know i just have a big grin on my face because it's <laughs> it's so fun <laughs> i i love how just how happy he is it, it is literally like a, a burden's been lifted off of him you know and he's been given a new a new zest for life mm -hmm. well and for me that portion of the movie is i mean it, it's right up there with the end of it's a wonderful life for me i, I mean mm -hmm. it it's a wonderful life i think beats it out a little but as far as you know classic christmas movies um the the endings of both of those um they they move me every time i watch them yeah i i like you know that he, he's looking in the mirror and he's rubbing his hair and calls himself an old humbug you know <laughs> <laughs> and, and whoever is playing mrs dilber there you know she is just so good <laughs> that she thinks he has just gone crazy and and then the part where he's trying to, to stand on his head and his, you know, nightgown starts going up and she covers her <laughs> face and screams and runs out and <laughs> that thinks he's he's paying her hush money and <laughs> Oh, it's great. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, and, and, but then uh, then like I had mentioned there's just this really lovely scene of the two of them on on the stairs and you know, these are some of the changes or, or at least expansions from this from the book that I I really enjoy. Uh, because I, I think you know it's a it's a good understanding of the character and it kind of fleshes it out fleshes it out a little bit more, where you see him being kind not just to to Bob Cratchit but to to everyone mm -hmm. now he's in his life, and then uh, right at the, the the very end scene really with between him and and Bob Cratchit you know that when he comes into the to to work and. You know, and he, he tells him to step forward, and then you you think he's going to get fired, and said, "So I have no choice but to raise your salary." And you know, Bob just stares at him, and and then Scrooge just starts laughing uncontrollably, and oh, <laughs> uh, and and then you know the the look on his face as he you know calms down from laughing, and it he manages to convey both happiness and, and I think a touch of sorrow. You know, he's he's realizing, I I did not treat you well, and I want to do better. Mm -hmm. And I, I think it's a wonderful performance right there, and just a a, a quick look on his face. Well, and is this the one where uh, he says he doesn't deserve to be this happy? Yes. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, that's uh, one of my favorite quotes there too. Is you know <laughs> that you know he says I don't deserve to be ha this happy, <laughs> and then he kind of throws <laughs> his pen in the air like, oh well. <laughs> <laughs> but I can't help it, you know, checks his pen up. 
Well, are, are there any other uh, quotes or scenes that uh, you, you wanted to, to bring up or uh, talk about? Um, I can't think of any that stand out in a positive way off the top of my head. Um, mm -hmm. One thing, every time I watch it, the one thing I, that um, I, I have a little heart, little difficulty getting past is uh, not so tiny, not so tiny Tim. And I've I've even read that a lot of the cast and crew were uh, disappointed with the fact that the the actor they chose for Tiny Tim was, you know, as big as Bob Cratchit. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's funny. I mean, he, he he does a good job, but I, I believe he's the biggest Tiny Tim ever put to film. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was just noticing today right at the end scene when he comes running up to Scrooge and they, they walk off together, you know, it's really sweet. But then I, I realized, he, you know, he was kind of shaking his leg to show Scrooge that it was, he was better, but I'm like, wow, his legs are really lanky. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, he must've been cast and then got a growing spurt or something. <laughs> I, I feel like his scene at, at the Cratchit's table, you know, when he says, God bless us, everyone, it's, it's a little, little too much for me. Just a little too sweet. <laughs> it's, you know, the 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 glowing light on him, the music playing, and and the the camera filter being all fuzzy, and I'm like, okay, we get it. <laughs> it's, that one's a little rough, but <laughs> yeah. Well, and I I think a lot of them have kind of the uh, I I can't think of a a really great tiny Tim. Um, yeah, they're, they're all kind of maudlin and, um, mm -hmm. a bit over the top, but yeah, that might be Dickens fault. I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually this is maybe unfair, but I, I think one of the best tiny Tim performances I've seen was in, um, uh, in Omaha. I, I live about 40 minutes from Omaha and they have a, a Christmas Carol, um, musical every year. I, I've been able to see that a couple of times and, and both times they've picked an actor who, who's done a pretty decent job with Tiny Tim. Um, and in fact, one of the performances I saw, uh, it was actually a girl playing Tiny Tim. So uh, <laughs> that, I don't know, it's, I, I don't find that scandalous at all when, when they're on stage, you know, you, mm -hmm. you can't tell. But I, I, I thought it was, they did a really good job with that, but not anybody probably has, has seen it. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that kind of wraps up my thoughts on the film. Uh, you know, I was just in the mood for some Christmas comfort, I guess. And uh, I, then I had this idea to, I'm, I'm just, I want to talk about this movie on, on the podcast. So Scott, I appreciate you jumping on here to, to talk about it with me. I'm glad you had me on. Um, we, we have so little time to watch movies anymore that um, mm -hmm. th this was actually the first time I'd watched it in two or three years. So mm. I, I was definitely glad to uh, uh, put it on again and sit down mm. and spend a little time with it. Yeah, I haven't, I, um, I hadn't seen it in at least a couple years myself. It's, you know, as much as I love it, I don't watch it every year. So it's kind of like I rotate between which version I'll watch this year and that kind of thing. This year I had wanted to watch it, but I just didn't have the time. And then uh, it got to be, you know, the end of January and I thought, well... I better watch it. <laughs> it's, it's February. That's all right. I don't care. Well, before you go, I wanted to, uh, since you're a, a first time guest on, on the podcast, um, I just wanted to ask you a couple of uh, Christmassy questions here so we can 
determine if you're a, a, a good guest or not. So, <laughs> <laughs> so answer carefully here. No, <laughs> but uh, I, I like to ask also uh, things like, uh, do, do you have a favorite uh, Christmas food uh, that you like to eat? Uh, my mom's candy cane cookies. Um, mm. They're, they're not peppermint flavored at all. It's uh, almond flavored, but she's been making them since we were, before I can even remember. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, they're such a big thing in my family that she'll she'll make an extra batch at Christmas time and freeze it until July. So we all get Christmas cane cookies for July also. Mm. So that, you know, it's not Christmas unless we've had my mom's candy cane cookies. Mm-hmm. Now, so if they're not peppermint. Why are they called candy cane cookies? Are they shaped like yeah. candy canes? Or? Oh, okay. So you half half the dough is white, the other half is reddish, and you just mm-hmm. uh, twist them together into candy canes and bake them. Okay. Uh, yeah, those sound good. Uh, I you know I like candy canes, but you know at, in a cookie like peppermint in a cookie, that's a taste that doesn't always appeal to me. So, <laughs> but th- that sounds good mm-hmm. with the with the almonds and. Uh, lack of peppermint, I guess. <laughs> yeah, well, because at one point my, my wife found a recipe for candy cane cookies that used peppermint, and mm-hmm. uh, you're supposed to even grind up candy canes and sprinkle them over top. And she baked them, and we all tried them, and said these aren't candy cane cookies. <laughs> like, what do you mean they're peppermint? <laughs> I mean, you can't get more candy cane like, yeah, than that. <laughs> these aren't candy cane cookies. <laughs> So that's great. <laughs> uh, I I love a good Christmas cookie. I was going to say, I, I, there's not really a whole lot I don't like when it comes to cookies, but anything, anything with chocolate, uh, that's, that's a winner for me. So <laughs> uh, how about, um, do you have a favorite Christmas song? <laughs> um, my default answer is it's the most wonderful time of the year by Andy Williams. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of that goes back to the old Staples commercial where, you know, it's uh, yeah. uh, back to school shopping. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> but for, for me to pick a favorite, a single favorite, it's just impossible. You know, I um, I, I have a kind of extensive uh, Christmas music collection. Um, mm. And it, a lot of it is based on my mood. Mm-hmm. Um I, I, I guess a better answer would be uh, the entire John Denver and the Muppets uh, A Christmas Together album mm-hmm. um, that, you know, it came out in 1979. We, uh, we, we saw that the special was coming out. Uh, my mom ran out, grabbed the album or bought the album, and it suddenly became about just about the only album we listen to each year. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we had two other, um, two Firestone compilations that um, would play along with it. But as soon as we got John Denver and the Muppets, it, it's half of other uh, Christmas albums just kind of started collecting dust. Um, and my, my mom, my mom was the sort who uh, she played Christmas music year round. Mm-hmm. So we never got a break from it. Um and from 1979 onwards, it was uh, John Denver and the Muppets more than anything else. So, mm. kind of kind of explains my 
collecting years later. Yeah, it kind of does. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, it when it gets it, it, mm-hmm. and with the podcast and everything else, I, mean, I I'm listening to Christmas music pretty much every day. Mm-hmm. But um, when it gets to be you know actual Christmas music season, uh, the first album I'll listen to all the way through is John Denver and the Muppets. Mm-hmm. Now, what when? When is that for you? When, when when is it officially Christmas music season? Usually, all uh, usually about October first. Hmm. That that's when uh, um, you know it, that I'll start playing it on uh, Sirius throughout the house, and mm-hmm. uh, um, the kids keep telling me, "No, you can't do it until <laughs> till November." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's um, somewhere between like mid September to about October first. Um, I I always, at least on the day that's a hundred days until Christmas, I I usually spend all day listening to Christmas music. You know, just kind of as that kickoff for the last one hundred days. But um, yeah, uh, definitely about October, I'm I'm feeling the the need to listen to Christmas music. Um, mm-hmm. And and I'll listen to it throughout the year, off and on. But um, I, I do take a break a little bit. Um, not that I get tired of it. It's just I like to keep it fresh. So, <laughs> but uh, well, oh, go ahead. That, I was going to say that that's a good thing with um, with, with my podcast mm-hmm. with all these different albums that I get from Japan is that um, it's all stuff I've never heard before. Mm-hmm. So. That that helps keep it fresh. I mean, if it was if there wasn't as big of a variety as is what there is, um, I don't know that I'd have been able to keep this up for three years. But um yeah. <laughs> that the fact that there's just such there there's so many different uh, artists and they've got so many different um songs that you know since Christmas over there is more of a secular holiday, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of the more contemporary Japanese Christmas songs are pretty much just pop songs that happen to involve Christmas or Christmas related things. So it, it, it makes it a lot easier to get through the entire year listening to it on a daily basis. How about uh, any favorite Christmas memories or traditions that uh, mean a lot to you? Uh, one of our favorite traditions that we have now is our Christmas Eve pajamas. Mm-hmm. Um, when when, when the older girls were really little, I forget where I heard it. Somebody mentioned uh, opening Christmas, opening pajamas every Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. And I thought, hey, that'd be a lot of fun. And ever since then, every Christmas Eve, you know, I, I tell the kids, hey, y'all get open one gift tonight and then you have to save everything else for tomorrow. And it just so happens that every year that one gift is pajamas. We, we try to get it so that every year there's matching pajamas for everyone, including the dog. So <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> well, and it was funny when the kids were little, um, <laughs> they would get so upset when I'd say, all right, everyone gets to open a present and they'd open it. And what do you know? It's pajamas. <laughs> and uh, so when they were real little, they didn't like it. But as they got older, it, they, it grew on them. And yeah. they, now, now they all look forward to uh uh, to open in those Christmas Eve. Yeah, I, I think my kids have kind of flipped. They they were excited about it, and now I at least my boys. I don't know if they really care. 
<laughs> but one of the uh, first years we did that with, because uh, we would do that uh, same with pajamas on Christmas Eve. Um, I was taking my oldest. He was pretty young. Uh, I think he was probably four. And like, okay, let's go shop for mom. <clears throat> and we got her some polar bear pajamas and, you know, real fu- you know, fuzzy Christmassy polar bear pajamas. And, and I was telling him like through the whole store, through the whole time, okay, don't tell mom what we got her. Don't tell mom. Okay. Okay. I won't. Okay. Okay. Well, it's a secret. Okay. And we, we met back up with her and the first thing out of his mouth, we got you polar bear jammies, mommy. <laughs> like, ah, Ryan, <laughs> come on. <laughs> Oh, but I guess, you know, I should have seen that one coming. <laughs> he was just so excited. He couldn't keep it to himself. So, <laughs> Well, and because I, I, I've got four girls uh-huh. and I think um, part of why uh, it's grown on them so much is that, you know, being able to slip into those brand new cozy pajamas on Christmas Eve, that it, it, it just adds something mm-hmm. to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think Grace will like, Christmas pajamas between now and the end of time. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I, I get that. Uh, well, Scott, thanks for uh, jumping on tonight and and talking Christmas with me. And where where can folks find you and your podcast? It's I, I'm hosted on Libsyn. Uh, I can't think of the the full URL off the top of my head, but I'm on most of the major streaming platforms just do a search on holly jolly xmasu and uh, i should come up i'm not on spotify and i think that's due to just music issues sure. uh but otherwise you can find me everywhere else all right and I, again i recommend you check him out uh check out his podcast it's uh it'll bring a whole new realm of christmas music your way so <laughs> all right well scott <laughs> thanks again for coming on uh you take care thanks you too thank you so much for listening today if you enjoyed this episode please rate and review us on on itunes uh, spotify wherever you're able to it it really helps get the word out about this podcast Uh, if you'd like to help us out in a financial way uh, there are links in the show notes for that you can leave me a donation at ko-fi.com and if you send me your address i'll send you a bookmark and a sticker in a Christmas card as my way of saying thank you for your support. Well, hopefully the the busy post-Christmas season is behind us and we can start running headlong into the new year, although it's already a third of the way over, <laughs> and heading into some great new Christmas traditions and memories and things that are still before us. And so until next time, remember to be kind and let us honor Christmas in our heart and try to keep it all the year. Have a very Merry Christmas.